something interesting in the college sports world. Now, we told you this was coming. The vote today was coming. Here's what Pete Thamel of Yahoo is reporting. Saw Brett McMurphy, a couple other college uh, sports insiders commenting on this as well. But here is the story Pete just put up moments before we went on the air. An NCAA vote Wednesday cleared the return of student-athletes to campus in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball June 1st through June 30th, multiple sources told Yahoo Sports. This decision ends a moratorium on all athletic activities through May 31st. Remember, the NCAA and canceling things, looking ahead, safety first, canceled conference tournaments, canceled the NCAA tournament, eventually said you can't be on campus together, approved certain virtual ways that certain sports could get together. But there was a moratorium put on all athletic activities on campus until May 31st. So today's vote says starting June 1st, in theory, you can be back on campus. Now, as Pete notes here, The vote on Wednesday doesn't necessarily mean a rush back to campus for those three sports. Football, men's basketball, women's basketball. As those decisions will be made in concert with state government, local government, and university officials. As Pete notes here, the vote on Wednesday afternoon by the NCAA Division I Council marks a significant step, both symbolically and in process, for the possibility of of college football and other sports returning in the fall. Sources telling Yahoo that the Division I Council is expected to address sports other than football, men's basketball and women's basketball, as soon as possible. That could take place within the next week. Pete goes on to note this. The, what, the way one source described the process of returning is that it will be more of a step than a leap. The ability for schools to have student-athletes return will depend largely on their state and local government restrictions. Now, I don't know offhand where this puts New York State. I would anticipate, because of the flood of questions they're going to get from people in my line of work, that Syracuse will put out some sort of statement, and I'm just speculating here. I don't know if they will, but given the flood of questions they're going to get, they'd be wise to. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for football, in particular men's basketball, women's basketball? they got a little more time, right? But... Football is the big question here, because if the football team can get back on campus, even in a limited capacity, even with the you know certain schools that we know are coming back, for example, Ohio State's coming back on June 8th, it's been reported. Their athletic director was out there today kind of laying out protocols of who can be in the weight room at what time and how it will be sanitized and wearing masks and you know kind of going by the protocols of the state that they're in. New York State is in phase one. Of returning that's mostly been focused on certain businesses right gyms are not open yet places of worship are not open yet and think of places where you can congregate where large gatherings could be those still aren't open to the point that I think you could walk on campus on June 1st and do this But if this football team can get back to playing actual football having the feel of it not doing it on Zoom, at some point in the month of June, they could be back on track. That's something that John Wildhack said recently. There was an ESPN article 
about this. Stephen Bailey also wrote about this today on Syracuse.com. But as John Wildhack said recently, and I'm just reading from the story now, speaking on April 23rd, so just uh, about a month ago, Wildhack said the ACC ADs and head football coaches believe players will need six weeks to prepare for a season. He targeted mid to late June as a rough deadline for solidifying an on-time start to the schedule. Now, it was just this week that the ACC announced a medical advisory group that is working to, quote, provide timely updates on the status of and forecast for COVID-19 impacts on the higher education community. Brad Pike, Syracuse Athletic Associate Director for Sports Medicine, is on that panel and will provide advice to the conference's decision-makers regarding return-to-play options. So that wild act quote, that's from a month ago, targeting mid to late June for a return to get things going normally. That's the time frame we're on here. Syracuse football players are not going to be on campus on June 1st. That's just the first day people can come back. This is in coordination with what states and local governments are saying. But if they can get back on that mid to late June run, Get back on campus, do seven-on-sevens, do the things that players can do. Hearing that other campuses, other schools, North, uh, pardon me, Notre Dame and South Carolina, notably, have already announced we are going to start the fall semester early. Notre Dame said August 10th. We're going to be done by Thanksgiving. Anticipating, trying to get ahead of what people are forecasting will be kind of a second wave of the coronavirus when the weather turns and cold and flu season comes around and what will probably now be cold, flu, and coronavirus season. It's here to stay, unfortunately, as I think a lot of us know. So this is significant news. I'm coming just short of calling it good news because we don't know that yet. We don't know how this falls within New York State rules, how Syracuse will apply this, This is all contingent, of course, on everybody doing what they need to do. And if there is a wave of positive tests, there was a story out there today that the construction crew working on Alabama's Bryant-Denny Stadium, there's been a coronavirus outbreak there amongst the construction crew. So we're still trying to kind of figure out our way through this. So when the players come back, what kind of groups will they be allowed to be in? Can they work out? Can you know Tommy DeVito work with his receivers? How many people in a weight room? Like they're still trying to figure this out. That being said, I mean this is a significant move by the NCAA. The advisory council, about a forty-person panel, a simple majority approved this. They're also discussing today the transfer rule. Remember, we talked to Jim Beheim a few weeks ago on the show, and he told us then look out for May twentieth. May twentieth is today. Now, since then, since Jim made those comments on the show, that board, that same board that approved this rule today, has said that they're pretty much going to table the transfer rule. The transfer rule that was proposed that the one-year waiver goes away one time, go where you want anytime without penalty of sitting for a year rule, that's, I haven't heard anything official at this point, but that's probably going to be tabled for later. They still should pass that rule. It's just probably not going to happen today. That being said, if you have transferred in the time between the end of the college basketball season and now, like a certain player named Alan Griffin who has come to Syracuse, 
I think those waivers are going to go through. I think a hardship waiver is something that the NCAA would be wise to grant at this point. Given the circumstances of coronavirus, players transferring for the reasons that they are. So I anticipate that Alan Griffin, and let me stress the word anticipate, will be on this roster. That's the big question. When Syracuse will be in compliance with New York state law so they can get these athletes back, work it out, albeit in a limited capacity or whatever it shall be. Now, there was a bigger kind of macro look at this today. ESPN with a terrific article. Many writers contributed to it, including our friend Andrea Adelson from ESPN. And both John Wildhack and Kent Severu were quoted in that. So let me kind of give you an overview of, of what it's about and then we'll tell you what they said and, and what it means relative to all this as we take steps closer to at least knowing the answer. As we sit here on May 20th, nobody knows definitively when college football will start and what it's going to look like, who's going to be in the stands, what they do if there's a positive test on a team. But they're getting closer to at least having a plan to answer some of these questions. So here's what Andrea, amongst other writers, wrote on ESPN today. How schools across the country handle testing protocols and what to do when someone tests positive will help determine not only whether any sports can be played, but also whether they can be played for the entire length of their seasons. The 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Schwarbrick are in constant communication about best practices and plans with the hopes of making uniform decisions, knowing that might not be possible. So here's what Mike Oresco said. He's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Quote, this is not simple. It's easy to say we're going to test everybody, but what does that mean and how is it going to be done? That's going to be the key to everything we're doing, and we have to get it right. Let me add something to that quote from Mike Oresco. How much is it going to cost, and how are they going to pay for it? Here you have schools that obviously have big budgets in a lot of ways, but I don't think they really put that in the athletic budget. I don't think they put that in the school budget, depending on how big your endowment is and where you get the money and how you do it. And we're hearing about all kinds of schools that are hiring freezes, furloughing workers, cutting pay. Who's going to pay for the tests? Now, one thing that Ken Severud said here is, is notable, and I'll get to it shortly, but there's not a uniform way you can do this in college sports like the NBA can, Major League Baseball can, professional sports can do. That's what makes this so layered and complex. But let me go on here and give you a little more detail from the story. This week, as Andrea writes, the SEC is in the midst of meetings to determine what will be the first publicized considerations for allowing athletes to return voluntarily. And as we heard today, the Pete Thamel report, that's been approved by the NCAA starting June 1st. Doesn't mean you can walk on campus on June 1st, but that's the date if you're in compliance with state and health local mandates. That's when workouts can start. SEC athletic directors are expected to meet with health experts later this week and give a recommendation to university presidents and chancellors about whether they should extend the current May 31st lockdown or determine a date to begin phased reopening. The presidents and chancellors are expected to make a decision when they meet Friday, multiple sources told ESPN. So they have that green light now. The only thing they have to fill in is when are we coming back? Now, here's something that Kent Severud said in this article. Developing those relationships with local labs is already happening. Syracuse Chancellor Kent Severud said, and I quote, we have been working extraordinarily closely 
with our county health department and with the state on all issues involving the virus. We have employees embedded in the response network. We talk every day, and testing and access to testing labs is part of that daily conversation. So establishing a relationship with a local lab, not having to send it off somewhere, and upstate's got a great lab. Our local hospitals have done an amazing job with this, getting results back quickly for people that need tests locally. When this expands to a major employer like Syracuse University, athletes being tested on campus, you want those results quickly. You want those results so you know who can play, who can't, who has to be isolated, and, and what the situation is. So that was encouraging news to hear. Here's what John Wildhack said, and it was, you know, I think these athletic directors have to be what Wildhack said in what they say, right? And we're dealing with hypotheticals in this situation. This was specifically on what do you do when there's a positive test. There was a, once a belief that one positive test shut it down, everybody's done. It seems like we're getting away from that. But here's what Wildhack said about it. Quote, that's a hypothetical, so I can't predict in terms of the fall. But we know a lot more today than we did two months ago. We'll know a lot more two months from now than we know today. Anything we do is going to be done in concert with the overall university, local, state, the S, or pardon me, the CDC. I think everyone's looking at some of the pro leagues and the models that they're looking at to resume competition, most notably the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. There will be learning for everyone. Two months from today is July 20th. That's right when it's go time in terms of training camps. Training camps usually start early August, right? So the green light they got today is to come back, depending on which date you're in compliance with, but June 1st. If they didn't get that, the headlines we'd be reading right now is college football's not starting on time. Because they just wouldn't time out. The off-season workouts, the time you need, the six to eight weeks to build up with camp, It just I don't think it would have started on time. I think today's ruling says that's now a distinct possibility. Doesn't mean everybody's going to be in accordance and in line and 50 state laws, 50 different phases, 50 different testing procedures. I mean, this is where it's going to get layered and, and, and complex. But it's all about testing. Well, it sounds obvious to say, but it's all about testing. Now, on that note, I thought something Jim Harbaugh said today, the Michigan head coach on ESPN's Get Up, was interesting. Let's take a listen. You play in a stadium called the Big House. It's one of the most famous football stadiums in the world, holds 100,000 people. Um, would you be comfortable playing games in front of no fans if that's what it comes to? Where, where do you stand on the idea of playing games if the fans can't be in the stadiums? Well, there, there, there you go, right? I mean, you, you, could test, you could definitely test both teams. You could test the officials and everybody. Can you test 100,000 fans coming into a stadium? Probably not. You know, that's probably not uh, without, a, without a vaccine. You probably couldn't do that. So, yeah, to answer your question, heck yeah, I'd be, be comfortable uh, coaching a game without any fans. Um, you know, if, it, if the choice were play or uh, in front of no fans or not play, then I would, I would choose uh, play in front of no fans. And I think most of the, most of the darn near every guy I've talked to on our team that's the way they feel about it. You know what I think we can say definitively, and it's hard to get definitive answers at this point on a lot of this, even though there's some wheels in motion and we're starting to fill in some of these blanks. I think every coach and every school has pretty much made that decision. We're playing without fans. If we can get them back, great. If not, not a deal breaker. At all. I don't think there's one school, there is one program, 
that is going to let that get in the way. Now, it's not just the safety of the fans, as important as that is. It's the revenue from that. You've got to balance if it's worth it to play because of the money that you would receive from ticket sales, from the usual flow of cash that comes from fans coming to your games. So that wasn't just a safety issue, it was a financial issue, but I think they've all pretty much said, we're going forward here. We're going to play, playing without fans, and the limited revenue that comes from that is better than nothing. We need opponents, we need teams, we need schedules out there. We had to feed the television beast, and the money that will come from that, that's already budgeted, that's already contracted, so let's play football. But that's going to be really weird. I don't think there's any sport. NASCAR is close because of the massive crowds that are there. But you're watching a Michigan football game when there's normally 100,000 people. Now, I don't think we're going to see stands empty. I think given the few months we have to figure this out, as John Wildhack put it, we're going to know more two months from now than we know at this point. I was reading a really interesting story today about how some schools have already started making plans about if they can socially distance, if they can. I saw Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, make a comment today. He feels like they can have 20,000, 30,000 people in the stadium, percentagely. What, do they, what can you put at the horseshoe? What, 85, 90,000? He feels like if you're given a percentage, right, you can have 25% capacity, just for argument's sake. How do you distribute those tickets? What's the pecking order? Because you obviously start with your high rollers. Then you're getting into the family of the players. Where do you go from there in terms of season ticket holders? Where do you go from there in terms of fans? Where do you go from there in terms of the secondary market? Are they going to cut off the secondary market? Thinking you're giving tickets to a certain group of people, but somebody else shows up in that vein? All questions that have to be answered here. All scenarios that they're going through right now. So when we say no fans, by the time September rolls around, or even if it's just kind of pushed back a little bit into the season, are we truly talking about empty stadiums three months from now? With the progress that we're making, the social distancing we're doing, if fans are required to wear masks, which I would imagine that would be the case. So if they clear the green light about coming back, then who gets to come back? That's another question altogether. Now, as I uh, speak to you here, I'm seeing some breaking news that I'll pass along to you, and we'll discuss it more on the other side. Syracuse University is announcing that it will hold in-person classes in the fall and plans to start classes on Monday, August 24th. So a normal start time for Syracuse, that's according to an email to the university community from Chancellor Kent Severu. The school plans to hold classes with an accelerated academic calendar similar to the one announced earlier this week by New York University. The school saying that the accelerated schedule will likely require students to take some additional Friday and weekday classes. So we'll tell you more about that when we come back. But right now we're learning via Chris Carlson at Syracuse.com, that Syracuse plans to start pretty much on time. At least that's the plan. August 24th. Stay right there.